Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's uh, Andre here for Tennis and Bagels podcast. Uh, the episode is late, very late, as um, the Australian Open is finished about a week ago. And uh, if you're in Australia, it's probably two weeks ago. Uh, oh, wow. Well, a week in a day ago. Um, and lots of things have happened since. Uh, we have, we've had tournaments that started and finished since then, and we had the Fed Cup. Uh, and not the Davis Cup for probably, I think, the first time. And yeah, um just want to mention a couple things. Since the Australian Open is not that relevant anymore, I'm just going to um, talk about a few things about it and, I don't know, present my views on, uh, on some players and, uh, and some events that happen. One of them being, um, first in my notes here is the Margaret Court situation that Australia had this year um, regarding her um, achievement of the 50-year um, Grand Slam that she completed a year Grand Slam. Uh, she won every single Grand Slam in a calendar year. I think it's called the calendar Grand Slam or something. But yeah, it's a pretty big feat. Rod Liver did it uh, a year before she did, so he got a celebration last year. And this year they called it a recognition, not a celebration, because of her views on uh, homosexuality and the LGBTQ+, uh, I believe that is, is the proper acronym, but I'm sorry if I offend anybody with that. <laughs> but anyway, um, she has views against those th- people that don't um, identify within the heteronormativity um, narrative, let's put it that way. Um, so, yeah. So his his the biggest issue revolving this was the fact that, well, players lots not I won't say all players because some players are actually very careful about the things that they said about all of the situation, but um, some legends, well, most obviously outspoken were uh, Martina Navratilova. She she has been talking about this since forever and John McEnroe now has kind of joined within with her as the most um, vocal protesters of Margaret Court essentially they did just want her to be like erased off of our minds from the current time in that sense and this is what I think about right she did something that is incredible that even back in the day, was not something that lots of people, lots of people achieved. Um, so, just Rod Laver and, and her pretty much did it. So, I don't know. So, I think this is something that should definitely get some recognition, especially if it's the fiftieth anniversary. And since then, I believe just one person did it, like in a calendar year. Novak Djokovic and Serena Williams did it. Granted, like they won, they've held all four Grand Slams at the same time. 
Um, but they called them. They were not in the same calendar year, so it doesn't really matter. I don't necessarily know what's the big difference about it. It's like it's still four Grand Slams in a row. I guess you can tell say that there's a there's the, the um the off season at the end, but it doesn't really matter, right? So the thing is, Margaret Court is very vocal about homosexual people and right, um, and she essentially says that they don't have any uh, regarding uh, marriage, essentially. And I still think that they did the right thing in recognizing her. Um, I myself am a Christian, so I I do concur with beliefs of homosexuality in terms of uh, sinful nature and, and things like that, but I don't agree with government imposing rules so i do believe that um I do believe that gay people gay people and whoever identifies with that should have their right to um have a stable union and even a marriage according to the to the government so i just don't think that they should be able to do that in the church because it's kind of it's private property and they they can do whatever they want i guess so like in the church and the people and the, the LGBTQ. So that I feel like there is room for people to live in harmony in spite of their beliefs. And I do think that Margaret Court is kind of like stepping a little bit too much into people and not really like presenting them with uh, um, understanding and uh, love, which I think, as per is my belief, should be um, uh, paramount to Christians should be approaching um those situations with love and with uh compassion and that's i don't think that's kind of like what she's been doing she has been saying not necessarily con- yeah i've been controversial things but it might in my view is like controversial because of the way she phrases them and the way she wants those things to go about and that's kind of what it is and um yeah it's it's a very kind of like a tricky tense moment and some people are I feel like I, I disagree with people saying that like she should just like stay in history and I really disagree with McEnroe when he goes like, oh yeah, um, Serena, just do me a favor win t- and win the twenty two more Grand Slams so we can just forget about Margaret Court. I think it's really mean and kind of completely intolerant of, of his part. Like they don't even want a dialogue. They just want her to be like completely like erased. They don't want her to be mentioned. And I think it's super mean and like just because she doesn't concur she doesn't agree with some of the stuff that you say. Like, it doesn't mean that she's, she's still a person. She's still a human being. She's still, like, a great tennis player and deserves respect. Maybe there isn't really a way that we can separate her achievements from her person. But there is a level of recognition that we should give. And that's kind of, like, my opinion about it. And it's going to leave it at that because it's kind of, like, not relevant at this point anymore. Maybe it will become relevant um, soon. But I don't know. Uh, we'll see. So, the Australian Open champions were Novak Djokovic for a record eighth time and um, Sofia Kennan, who goes by Sonia Kennan, Sonia Kennan, 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 never mind, anyway, um, for the first time, a Grand Slam champion, Sofia Kennan, 21 years old, um, very well put by pretty much every podcaster out there that she was not at all a favorite and she was kind of like overlooked, um, nobody really was paying attention to her at all. So that's kind of a funny thing. And she just went, went, goes there and wins. And I really like her energy. I like how she just 
kind of goes there and mean, means it to like just do her best and she's pumped about the points that she's winning she she's not afraid she's taking at every point you know at a time and getting pumped I, I remember her clearly like watching her against Vardy and she hit a passing short off of her backhand and she kind of just did the little thing that she ducks and then like jumps like when she sees like the ball just like went right on the line and it was it was it was really really real a really real moment I found for I find for her and that's kind of very encouraging to see players doing players doing well and like encouraging you to see her like again demonstrating that like fearlessness that um Barty has and uh, Osaka has and uh, Andrescu has and golf has uh, I think all those players can definitely be the future of the WTA now and who knows maybe Serena Williams will never win another Grand Slam like we'll have to wait and see just like Roger Federer I think her best chance is probably a Wimbledon or the Australian Open the Australian Open has passed and she didn't win um, but I think Wimbledon she has a great opportunity because she's been really successful there and I don't know I feel like that's it and I agree I don't think Serena Williams will ever again win the Roland Garros unless the circumstances are just perfect for her and I don't think that is going to happen So maybe we'll, we are at the very end of... Maybe we're witnessing the end of uh, Williams' career. <sighs> And yeah, uh, Djokovic, uh, winner for the eighth time, record time. And I feel like it's it's kind of funny to see. Uh, I'm not going to talk about like his um, match against team at all. I think team played great. He just played great tennis, but just couldn't cross the line at the end. He couldn't find it in himself to play the best tennis when he mattered at the end. And he's already 26, which is funny because we keep telling, saying, saying that he's a new gen. But I think if team actually comes in and win a tournament, because a grand slam, because he's been out there for quite some time and been challenging uh, the pro, the the big three, and. Uh, If he does come out and win, maybe that sends a better message for um, the Zverevs and uh, Medvedevs to, so that they can actually go and win Grand Slams. But he didn't win, so sadly, um, Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer are still dominating very much the tour. And I think it's, speaking of the big three, I think it's kind of funny how they... All of them had this one tournament that they excelled at and that they broke every single record that there is to break. Um, Federer at Wimbledon, Dahl at Roland Garros, Djokovic at the Australian Open. I think it's it kind of really speaks into like the legacy that they have. And it's no wonder they're leading the all-time Grand Slam winners, one, two, and three. And I think it's, it's just... It just fits so perfectly that Djokovic also has this one tournament that he's dominating. That It's his house. The Melbourne Park is his house. As um, Philip Chartres court is Nadal's house or home, I don't know. And uh, Wimbledon is Federer's home. So, you know, it's it's really fitting. And it's it's exciting to see, like, how are they all going to end their careers? Like, who's going to be the, the big winner? Um, as they mentioned in the tennis podcast, And it's it's something that we get really invested in. As much as we want the new gen to start winning, we just keep being invested in um, those big guys because 
gosh, their history, their it's it's gonna be incredible to say like in the future, like maybe like twenty, thirty years from now, like be like, Oh, I've watched I've watched them all win every single Grand Slam that they have that they finished their career with. And and I, I don't know if Federer is going to be the the biggest the big winner at the end of his career. I think my personal opinion is that Nadal is but that's only because Djokovic kind of like took a little while to start winning, so he started the race way behind, and now he's 17 against 20 and, uh, and 19. And even though he's close, I think Nadal still has one or two Grand Slams in him. Um, maybe Federer has one, and I don't know how many Djokovic can still make, but I think it's still like probably like three or four. So uh, we'll have to see. That's just gonna be. Was gonna be amazing, just kind of like our feelings of new gen versus big three, and like who would we actually want it here for? Like, say again, Zverev or Titipas or um, Shapovalov, probably not, but um, hypothetically, if one of them makes the finals of a Grand Slam, like consistently, who are we going to be cheering for to win those matches? I, I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of Djokovic, and I kind of really want him to win, but I've always also been a fan of him being like the chaser and um i've started following him when he was number three in the world and uh it was just just kind of like cool to see him like just challenging and scaring federer and adal like whenever they walked on on the court and now it's just kind of like it's Djokovic giving them a scare in in their careers just kind of like trying to big be the biggest win winner and yet who knows and speaking of roger um I personally think he still has game. <laughs> I personally think he still has a, a grand slam in him if he can stay healthy, if he can um, overcome his demons, as he did against Djokovic and Wimbledon last year. So, yeah, but any of his back doesn't screw him over. Again, I cannot even believe that he beat two... Did he, did he win two two matches in five sets? I think yeah he did he did he did, he beat, he beat um, Newman and Sandgren in 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 five sets and gosh he was not do, he was not well he was not doing well against uh, against Sandgren and still won that match and I think he played incredible tennis against Djokovic and it was just a matter of inches that Djokovic took those uh, those breaks and those points Federer served I guess for the for the first set and couldn't do it. Maybe he needs to work a little bit on his mentality in that in that regard, like try to actually um, beat Nadal. And not actually Nadal, he's pretty much got a hold of that, but like now Djokovic still needs to relearn how to beat Djokovic, which is interesting and kind of weird, to be honest. And yeah. And now that I'm talking about it, like I have it in my notes, video highlights. And that's essentially how I got to see a lot of... Uh, the Australian Open this year was just by the extended highlights. And I'm not, as I've said multiple times, I'm not going to be watching every single match at 3 a.m. because I have a life and I have to wake up at 6 or 7 in the morning. And if I go to, if I start watching a match at 3, chances are I was going to finish at least like 5 or 4.30. And I I can't, I can function over two and a half hours of sleep or even less than that. Or so, no. 
and highlights are a lot of my way to seeing how tennis players are doing and their emotions and uh, if something happened and big break points, big match points. This is my way of seeing those things. And in a lot of ways, I try to watch as many matches as I possibly can within reality of the fact that I still have responsibilities that are not involved, that are not tennis related. So, um, yeah. So, and it, it kind of, it was a little sad when I saw like in the Australian Open, obviously, obviously. So the, some of the, um, some of the highlights were blocked by region and I was puzzled because why would you do that <laughs> what's the point like why do you have it's on YouTube why do you have block a regional block for this it's, it's ridiculous like I'm on the other side of the world like I, I can't possibly be watching all of those matches even though that's kind of like what you want because marketing and business but I can't I'm not gonna so I was sad that I couldn't watch the final. I kind of wish I did, but I was also really tired, so I didn't. And I think I did the right thing about not watching that. N none of those matches. Maybe I will rewatch them a little later, like when I have more time, um, and during uh, during the afternoon or a lazy morning or something like that. But anyway, um, so yeah, I think they shouldn't have geographic restrictions because people like me can can't possibly be watching matches at 3 a.m. or even matches that started like 11 or midnight because they will finish equally late so yeah and yeah um speaking of obviously like I talked a bit about party and uh, Osaka and whoever about the WTA WTA I have such a hard time saying that but anyway and I have I should I think I should watch more about much more more women's tennis and that's more on my plate because I have to watch more matches and I keep track of more things. Um I always thought the system of the WTA was very confusing. I couldn't really understand like where tournaments mattered or not. Some people had the conversation before about like how premieres are mandatory premieres and internationals and stuff like that and they just kind of like didn't really have a structure. Uh and I kind of agree with that. I'm kind of don't really understand like which ones are the ones that are actually important and I'll take a sip of my coffee because it's getting cold and WTA I, I still think I should watch more regardless because I think if you start getting into it you understand as it was the case before we had a TP 250 500 and 1000 it was master series and a bunch of other crazy names that nobody understand but I understood them all, and I was kind of upset at the beginning when they changed it to uh, those numbers names because it was about ranking points, and it felt a little ridiculous. Oh, dang. Ah. But yeah, that's that's kind of like how it goes. And women's tennis is quite different from men's, and uh, um, for the longest part, I felt, I felt it was much slower. And it is still, it's lower than men's tennis. They, they run faster, they get to some balls, to some shots. They're seemingly lost, but they, they manage to get there, like on the other side of the court. Just how did you manage that? Uh, whereas the women won't do that for, not for the most part, but like they wouldn't do that for the most part. Like maybe for the first half of the 2010, some of them were really fast, like Caroline Wozniacki and, and et cetera. But that was not really the norm I found. 
but now I think we have a norm in that they are like, no, we can be just as fast or just a little bit less fast. But and we've been seeing that on the fact that they've been hitting more aces, they've been hitting more forehand winners, more winners in general, and they, you know, like when I when I look at um Kenan and Nash Barty's uh, semifinal is. There was like there were like two breaks of serve or something like that. Maybe four, maybe three breaks of serve. Actually, I think it was only two. Well, never mind. I, I it was like two or three breaks of serve, and that is impressive. Like I remember watching some WTA matches before, and it was just kind of like the essentially holding serve was the equivalent of breaking serve in the men in men's tennis. It was almost like an an insurmountable task sometimes, and it was. It was a little weird, but and Williams proved to everybody else that you could serve fairly fast and really well and get aces and at least get free points out of it or um, get short balls and like finish the point early. So you can use your serve as a weapon, and that's not what a lot of player women players were doing. And I think they are now, even the shortest ones like um, Simona Halep. She's serving really well and she serves really well, and uh, she can use her serve. As an advantage, even though she won't hit as many aces, she can still like build the point out off of the the serve, which is something that you can do. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a super tall person, and I was I've always had like a like a bigger serve in my um, I don't know college not college but um, club tennis and whatever. So yeah, it's I know the the level is completely different, but it's possible. You can you don't have to fear your height. You don't have to like put yourself in a mental barrier of like, oh yeah, I'm short, so my serve sucks, so I'm just gonna have to be really good at the baseline and like really run really fast and get to every single ball and whatever, hope that the guy doesn't have a big serve and I can return. That's not how the mentality goes, right? And I think that they're catching up with that, finally. So I feel like the WTA is going to be really interesting to watch, if it was already before, and I was always recommended to watch women's tennis because they have really good technique and um, it's really easy to see um, their technique and um, it's it's kind of almost like perfectionist tennis which is interesting but uh, yeah I think everybody should watch it including myself Mm. however the the Fed Cup interestingly enough it filled filled up I stadium, I stadium with uh, I think fifty fifty three thousand. No, that was that was Roger Federer. But anyway, they they sold out a stadium. Um, with Serena Williams playing, uh, she lost her match by the way against um, a player from Latvia whom I don't know. Um, I'm really sorry about that. I should probably inform myself a little bit better. And um, but yeah, the stadium was filled. And I think for people in the countries, uh, it is an interesting match to to watch it is an interesting thing but I, I never really caught the uh the intensity of uh fed cups and davis cups and the format it was like um one one full week for a rubber <coughs> oh boy and um and then like just keep going throughout the year until the end of the year where we play the final in a week um this could be um marketed better it could be like more advertising that could be more um incentive for people to watch it on tv but i don't think that there is so i never really get too excited especially because of the fact that it's right after grand slam it's just kind of like the off period it's kind of oh yeah like doesn't really matter 
um, the Grand Slam is over, so we just kind of like this leapy time before we pick up again and like play some Masters and Thousands and uh, mandatory premieres. So I never really got that as a good thing. Um, oh man, I'm just hitting my my closet door here. That's making that noise. Hopefully, it's not very um, audible. But anyway, well, where was I? The Fed Cup and the Davis Cup changed this format, and so now we have that compare and contrast. And although that, I feel like there's although there's a lot of criticism towards the Davis Cup, and people people really are are not open to change in general. So I feel like there's a and when we bring a big change like the Davis Cup, it's obviously going to bring a lot of uh, criticism. But I think I think it's for the best. I think it's a team competition that you can market in that way and it can bring people that are like players that are top players who won't who will have an off season right after so it's not really jeopardizing their tennis very much and i think that the, that's the only problem with the davis cup format is still the atp cup which i already talked about so um yeah i think for me the fed cup and the davis cup in the old format don't matter <laughs> because they can't make it matter from ERS for the Davis Cup and the ATP Cup, they managed to make it matter for myself. And I was pumped to actually follow uh, the Davis Cup when it was there last year. So, you know, I was pumped to, to watch the ATP Cup. And granted, it's because it was the first edition and we all wanted to know how it was going to go. But yeah, this is this is, this is my, my views on the Fed Cup right now. Anyways, um... Hmm, what else do I have on my list? Um, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the, the future of the season now. Um, um, is Nadal winning? I feel like the biggest question right now is, is Nadal going to win the Roland Garros? It's on clay court tournament. He played really well last year. He did play really well this year, but he was outplayed by team on a hardcore, granted, but... It's a different situation on uh, on on clay, and I think because of the result this year at uh, the Australian Open and because of uh, T.C. Paz winning uh, Masters on the ATP Finals, NITO ATP Finals last year, um, and Zverev beating, I think he beat he did he beat Federer. I don't know. He beat Medvedev. Yeah, and. I don't, he beat Nadal as well, very, very convincingly. So I think the next gen is coming. And Zverev actually played incredibly well this year in the Australian Open. So I am quoting him to go far again for um, uh, Roland Garros. And I'm expectant for um, this upcoming Grand Slam, which is also just in May, May or sometime like in two or three months from now. But I'm already pumped up for it. So yeah, that's how things go for me. And uh, we'll see. Like this, is, we have to wait until like, how this um, the season unfolds from the next um, ATP 1000s. Um, and um, I don't. I really am excited to see what Federer is going to do in Indian Wells in Miami. If he plays both, uh, he might just play one of them. But he normally plays really well uh, at them and reached the final in uh, one, one. So he reached the final at. Indian Wells lost the team, uh, reached the finals, uh, got to championship and uh, got to win the whole thing at Miami right after right after the next week. So I think he still got game 
even in hard courts um because those are very those are very tough tournaments to play they're very very different conditions and very hot that's probably what i i hear because i've never even been there but like this what always they always say about them and we know i know that for example miami is is humid because it's in florida and indian wells is very dry because it's right by the desert so this is as far as i know about those things but yeah i think federer can still do well in them and if he does well in them maybe it's going to be a boost of confidence for him to see that he can still win things and uh, i think wimbledon is for me like a very big question mark i have no idea what's going to happen what happened last year was kind of like proof that anything can happen still Roger Federer can still make it Novak Djokovic can still break hearts and and I don't know Halep can win over Serena Williams things things can happen in Wimbledon so for me it's a big question mark I won't be saying much about it um but another thing is for sure I think the biggest place for a new gen to win is the U.S. Open the, the biggest bet for a Grand Slam is at the U.S. Open. I think if they start doing well, if they start making further and further in Roland Garros and Wimbledon, which I don't think they will win, but, you know, um, they can maybe win the U.S. Open. They, they can be pumped. And one of them can be the winner of the U.S. Open. And who knows, maybe we could even see a final, a full next-gen final. Although, I still think um, it would be much better to see, for example, Zverev or Medvedev beating... Nadal or Federer or Djokovic in the final. I think this is so key. Like, if they can do that, I think they can do anything. And it will send just a big message. It's like, hey, our time has come type of thing. So this will make 2021 very interesting for tennis. But for now, it's 2020. So let's keep watching whatever is coming. And speaking of Fed Cup, actually, like I didn't mention something. was that I'm really sad that Bianca Andresco isn't playing. Uh, she didn't manage to play single. She still isn't healthy enough. And I hope she will get some tennis play. Like, I mean, I hope she comes back very eager and not scared of, like, playing. Hope she gets fully healed and uh, hope she wins another Grand Slam this year. Hope she maybe gets to number one. That would be really fun to have a Canadian number one player that, you know, that would be, that would make my nation really proud and really pumped about tennis. And what an incredible message wouldn't it be if it were uh, woman number one? <laughs> yep, this is how how tough a task that is, but how how exciting that would be, right? So, and now that I'm talking about Canadian tennis, um, Shapovalov is kind of being being a little bit of a disappointment since the ATP Cup. Hopefully, he can pick it up um, and play better. And I don't know what's his next tournament, but he just lost to Vasek Pospisil, Vasek, I think that's how you say his name, um, who made the finals and lost to Gael Monfils. No shame in that. Monfils is really good. And he was in his home turf, Montpellier, I believe. So, yep, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Garin, Christian Garin, um, Chilean player, won his third title um, of his career over a player that is very mentally tough and very competitive in Diego Schwartzman. And he did beat him in Argentina, which makes it so much more interesting to see. And it's, so the 23-year-old, I think, is important to mention that his age is 
that because it kind of is part of the new gen in a sense she didn't really make much of a, an impression in the biggest tournaments but who knows he could either become just like a click or specialist who like makes the fourth and quarterfinals and rolling arrows at once and then just get totally destroyed and at six two six one six love or and also just wins during the um the golden south american golden swing i think that's called that's what they call it. anyway where he just kind of wrecks up like a two two fifties and one five hundred tournament Hopefully that's not what happens to him. Hopefully that's some, he becomes a, a bigger player and comes to challenge the others. And who knows, maybe by becoming a good clicker player, he could become a Rolling Arrows contender. Who knows? Uh, so yeah, I guess in terms of tennis, that's kind of as much as what I have to say because I'm I'm late to the party. I couldn't, I couldn't record last week. And I also... Um, just realized that I might be switching the timing to Mondays instead of Thursdays because um, I figured that Mondays is kind of like a really awkward time in terms of tennis. Um, nothing really ha- I mean, there's all, the whole week that happened, so we can kind of like come in on Thursday and be like, hey, so we have these people now in the semifinals or quarterfinals, and now what's the final going to be? What's the big deal? So like ideally, maybe I would be recording two episodes a week um, depending on the tournament and uh, be like, Oh yeah, so like one on Mondays and one on Thursdays. So it'd be like the Monday would be the one that kind of overviews and reviews the last week, uh, and overviews reviews the last week and then makes an overview for this week and predictions. And on Thursday would be like some more accurate, um, adapted uh, predictions to this week to come. So I believe I think maybe I'll just switch the whole thing to Monday. And just be like, hey, so this is what happened. And this is kind of like how I follow the tennis world in this week. Because this is life. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe maybe something good can, can come out of it. I think Mondays are the best time to start shooting, shooting, to start recording those podcasts now. Because as I realized and learned last week, that Thursday was going to be really, really late to talk about the Australian Open and we're almost done with Fed Cup. Well, that was on Thursday. If I were be talking on Thursday, we'd be like, oh, we're almost done the Fed Cup. And I'm still here talking about how Djokovic won his eighth Grand Slam. And now it's even eighth Grand Slam. Eighth Grand Slam in Australia, I mean. <laughs> but yeah. And now that's it. Maybe I'll switch to Monday. So maybe I'll see you next week on Monday and not on Thursday. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> Listen to Tennis and Bagel. Please follow my podcast and uh, see you next week. Bye on Monday. <laughs> Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 